0: hallelujah come on if you love jesus why don't you give him some praise this morning oh come on kingdom you can do better than that can we lift up the name that is above every single name come on let's praise him like this is the day that the lord has made i will rejoice and be glad in it hallelujah before you take your seat before you take your seat just elbow the person next to you and say neighbor i got a feeling this gonna be a good service. Come on, elbow somebody else. Elbow somebody else. Say, other neighbor, you're my second option, <laughs> and I want you to know this gonna be a good service. Come on, if you believe it, I dare you to give God some praise even right now. Woo. Hallelujah. You may be seated be seated in the presence of the lord uh don't get comfortable you might be back up again come on somebody anybody glad that you came to church on a sunday morning i tell you i uh i am not just excited to be here i am red bull excited espresso elated uh, you you got to understand, I've been hearing about Kingdom in the Valley uh, for years now. Several of my friends in ministry have just been raving about this church. So I'm finally glad that my chocolate face is in the place and I can see it for myself, the phenomenal things God is doing here. And I, I just hope you know you're not part of an ordinary church. You're part of an extraordinary church. What God is doing here is absolutely amazing and phenomenal, and I found... Uh, that great churches don't happen by accident they happen because of the grace and the favor of God and also because leadership is paying the price when nobody else is watching so I would be remiss today if I didn't thank God for your phenomenal pastor for your phenomenal leader come on can we thank God for the man of God come on you could do better than that you are blessed with the best of the best come on can we let Pastor Reggie know how much we love him how much we appreciate him Come on, we honor you, sir. We thank God for you. While you're clapping, help me thank God for the mighty woman of God that stands beside and behind him. Come on, can we thank God? Come on, y'all could do better than you. yeah. Y'all tripping this morning? Come on. Hallelujah, we honor you. It's interesting. I, uh, I I'm a movie buff, and I just recently saw the movie uh, Steve Jobs, and it was it was interesting uh, just to see the disparity between his incredible gift. Uh, and the actual person that he was, but anytime you see somebody that has an incredible gift and is a phenomenal person, uh, you're blessed, and you're blessed to have not just incredible leaders, but they're incredible parents, incredible people, and I'm just honored, man, to get to know them. Come on, thank God for them one more time, and I'm not here by myself. I'm here with my baby sister. Help me thank God for my sister, Amanda Madu. Why don't you stand? Glad to have my sister in the place. Come on, you know when your sister will come hear you preach, revival is breaking out. So <laughs> I'm glad she's here. And um, I bring you greetings from Dallas, Texas, uh, where I reside. I've uh, been married now to the most beautiful woman uh, for, let's see, three years, four months, six days, two minutes, and 32 seconds. And uh, she, she travels with, generally travels with me, but she is back home uh, pregnant with our second child. Come on, somebody. Having a baby boy, January 27th but I got a beautiful baby girl that made me a dad and I I ain't going to be that dad that's always putting up a picture of his kid. You know how dads are. They think I would never put, oh, my! where y'all get that from? That's my baby girl. Come on, y'all. I made that. That's my daughter. Her name is Everly Adair Madhu. We call her Evie. And uh, let's see, they'll be 15 months apart. 15, we having them back to back. 15 uh, months apart. And uh, a friend of mine said, man, y'all having them so close, Robert. He said, you know what causes that, don't you? I said, I do. And I tell my wife all the time, can we just have one night where we just talk and we just connect emotionally, but she don't listen, so that's why we having baby number two. No, that ain't true. But, uh, man, I thank God for this church, and I'm excited about the word God has given me. Did anybody come to get a word from God today? Woo! If y'all feel like hearing it, I, like, I feel like preaching, and it's going to be good. In fact, if you don't mind, can we stand just to honor the reading of God's word today? I want to look at the gospel of Mark, chapter number 2. and I'd like to illuminate for our understanding, verses 1 through 12. Mark 2. Starting at verse number one, landing at verse number two. How many you got a Bible with? If you got a Bible, wave it in the air like you just do care. Awesome. Some of your Bibles are glowing. That's amazing. <laughs> Mark chapter two, starting at verse number one. I want your God to say, yeah. Still looking for it? Say, hold up. All right, I'll wait for you. Come on. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home so many gathered that there was no room left not even outside the door And he preached the word to them some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them and since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd they made an opening in the roof above Jesus and after digging through it lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on when Jesus saw their faith he said to the paralytic son your sins are forgiven now some teachers of the law <laughs> aka the haters were sitting there thinking to themselves why does this fellow talk like that he's blaspheming who can forgive sins but God alone immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts and he said to them why are you thinking these things which is easier to say to the paralytic your sins are forgiven or to say get up take your mat and walk but that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins he said to the paralytic I tell you get up take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, "We have never seen anything like this." Can you say Amen? Come on. How many know that is good all by itself? I, I want to preach uh, this morning. not Not long. Not long. About three and a half hours. Uh, <laughs> just, just from this subject, I got more than what I came for. I got more than what i came for would you help me preach look at your neighbor one last time and say neighbor when you come to jesus you'll get more than what you came for come on if you know it to be true why don't you give god a praise even right now come on oh come on that's a cute golf clap i dare you to give him some praise father speak to us today god we've not gathered here out of religious routine. God, we've not come here today to be entertained, but God, we have come to be drastically changed. Speak to us so clearly, so succinctly. And when we leave here, let us say it was so good to have been in the house of the Lord. And somebody who loves Jesus, say amen. Amen. Say amen again. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I got more than what I came for. (laughs) quick little sermonic survey before we delve into this. How many of you just by a showing of hands, would say that you were raised in church. Can I see your hand if you were raised in church? Oh, Lord, that's almost everybody. Uh, raised in church. Keep it up a little longer, raised in church. Keep it up longer because I got to see who needs the counseling. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm playing. I, uh, I, I lift my hand with you because I, too, was raised in church. And if you were raised in church, you are acutely aware of the fact that the life of a church kid is distinctly different than the life of a regular kid. Oh, come on, there are trials and tribulations and situations that you go through as a church kid that other kids aren't even aware of. I know this because I am a church kid. Growing up in our household, we had to be in church. Every day the doors are open, had to be in church. It was not a democracy. It was a dictatorship. As a matter of fact, I remember one Sunday I got bold, I got brave, and I told my father, I told my daddy, I told my Nigerian daddy, (laughs) I said, I ain't going this Sunday. I don't feel like it. told my Nigerian daddy that. And do you know what my Nigerian daddy said to me? He said, Let me tell you something, okay? No, let me tell you something. You have two options, huh? You can get out of that bed and go to church, or I can kill you. And we will go to church and have your funeral. But either way, you will be in church. Because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. (laughs) Y'all clapping. That's the abuse I (laughs) endured. as a kid dinners dinners were different in our house dinners were different because you could not eat your food you could not touch your meal without my mom hitting you with this question what's your favorite scripture what's your favorite? Before you could eat your meal, you had to give a scripture. Before you could touch your food, give a scripture. I remember one dinner being so frustrated just saying, mama, Jesus wept. Give me the chicken, okay? Why do I have to give you a scripture before I eat my meal? But that's just the environment that I grew up in. And honestly, I'm thankful that that's the environment that I grew up in because it is produced in me An insatiable desire for the Word of God. I love the Word of God. I am obsessed with the Word of God. It is the hinge upon which my faith has its mobility. Uh, The Word of God is the irreducible substantive essence of what it means to know who God is. To those of you who think that book you're holding is some boring antiquated book that don't really relate to your life, you have lost your mind. That's the only book that's still alive. It's the only book that's still breathing. it's the only book that has power. It's, it's the only book that was written in antiquity, but yet it can speak to the specificity of your life. There is nothing like the Word of God. See, other books you can read, but the Bible is different because the Bible will read you. <laughs> it will show you who you are and, and whose you are. So I love the Word of God. In fact, I believe the whole thing is true. Come on, somebody. I didn't believe the maps in the back. That's how gangster I am. I love... The Word of God. But, but but let's be honest. Let's be honest. We all have our favorites, don't we? And I do have my favorite section. I think my favorite literary genre in all of the, in all the Bible is the Gospels. I love the Gospels. Just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just give me those four and no more. I love the Gospels. As a matter of fact, I spent so much time in the Gospels, I feel like they're close personal friends of mine. I call them Matt, Marky Mark, Uncle Luke, and Little John. I love the Gospels because it's in the Gospels that we get to see the ministry of Jesus Christ himself. I can see how he walked, how he talked, how he moved, how he interacted with people. Uh, One scholar said that the Gospels are Christology in narrative form. That's just a fancy way to say that the Gospels are the closest thing that we have of a biography of the greatest man who ever walked the face of this earth, and his name is Jesus. I, I love the Gospels. I particularly love how these four gospel writers are talking about the same Jesus but they do it in totally different ways. Almost like four film directors who've been given the same subject to film but have each been given their own cinematic license to film it. Each one of them give us a different HD view of who Jesus really is. And that's why I'm glad Marky Mark is our director today. See, if you like long, boring documentaries, you need to read the book of Matthew, okay? Because Matthew, he's writing primarily to a Jewish audience. So he begins the long and laborious process of letting you know that Jesus is the fulfillment of over 300 Old Testament prophecies that were given in a 1,500-year time span. Come on, has anybody in here ever read Matthew chapter 1? Come on, get you some espresso when you read it, all right? Excitement level is right up there with the book of Leviticus, all right? For the whole first chapter, we just scripturally inundated with baby dad. after baby daddy after baby daddy that's chapter one Uh, if you like sci-fi movies sci-fi movies you need to read the book of luke because luke is a medical doctor so he goes into great detail to explain uh, the magnanimity of the miracles that christ did and how his miracles could do what modern medicine could not do Uh, if you like those mushy gushy romantic chick flicks that some of us husbands are forced and coerced to go see you need to read the book of john if you like the movie dear john read John uh, because John he's the disciple who always laying his head on the chest of Jesus and he's all about love and he's very existential he says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God but those of you who are like me and you like some movies that have some action where things get blown up and people get beat up come with me to the book of Mark Mark is Jesus in action Mark don't even got time for baby Jesus Oh yeah, no, you will not find a manger in the book of Mark. He skips Christmas and goes straight to full-grown Jesus with hair on his chest smelling like Old Spice. Mark is not playing games with you. Mark wants to let you know with clarity and precision that before there was a Russell Crowe in Gladiator, before there was a Mel Gibson in Braveheart, before there was a Denzel my twin, hello, before there was any of them, please believe there was a King Jesus and every time he stepped in a situation it had to come under his divine authority because he wasn't just a good man. He was a God man. He was God wrapped up in flesh and walking among us. What a mighty God that we serve. Bible declares. The Bible declares that that this Jesus, this this God, was walking amongst us, and he's picking up on his ministry and picking up on his frequent walker miles, and uh, he gets to a certain house, a certain house. Historians actually believe it's Peter's house. And the Bible says when Jesus gets to this house, all he does is he sits down to rest in this house. I'm sure he was tired from the journey. He just sits down to chillax in this house and within minutes of him sitting down to rest in the house all of a sudden throughout the entire region people start going, psst, hey, hey yo come here, hey, psst, come here. Yo, you know Jesus has gotten in the town, right? Yeah, he's here. You know Jesus just showed up. Before you know it, people start getting on Facebook Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat, putting the address on blast saying you better hurry up. Jesus just showed up and within minutes the entire house Is jam packed with people simply because his presence sat down to rest in a house. People from different walks of life, people from different economic backgrounds, all converged in one place because His presence sat down to rest in the house. Come on, the Bible is clear. It uses picturesque language. It says there wasn't even room outside the door. This is standing room only because His presence came to rest in a place. What is it about the presence of God coming to rest in a place that causes people to be drawn from everywhere? I'll tell you what it is. People instinctively know if you can never get His presence just to rest in a place how many know something supernatural something life changing something miraculous is going to happen okay come on why are you here this morning hello, come on, you could be playing golf right now, you could be asleep right now, you could be binging on Netflix right now, why in the world would you get up on your only day off, put on your good shirt, all that Mary Kay and Mac makeup just to come into the house of God, you didn't come to hear the worship team as awesome as they are, you didn't come to hear me preach, you don't even know who I am I think I know why you came, you came because you knew his presence would be resting in this place and when his presence shows up come on somebody something is going to happen i think we ought to just give him some praise like we want his presence to come sit down his presence just to rest this place his presence that's what we came I didn't come to see your outfit it's cute I didn't come to see you I came because I knew his presence would be here and when his presence is here that's when supernatural takes place that's when healing takes place when his presence shows up I, I love it I love it sit down hear me I love it I love it because he hadn't even done anything yet he hadn't even done anything, but just his presence caused an atmosphere of expectation to be in the room. Who there's a church growth program. Get his presence, and people will just be drawn from everywhere. Ooh. I can use my imagination. I can use my exegetical imagination. I can see them. I can see them packed in this house. I can see the sick in this house going, if he touches me. If, he t- if I just touch his clothes, I know I'm going to be made whole. I can see it. I can see it. Because I'm a parent now. I can even see practical things like a mama with a little kid. We ain't paying attention. He's on his iPad. just. She's like, boy, pay attention. All right. Jesus in the house. He's going to tell you something. That's why you get in trouble at school. Because you don't listen to nobody. Listen to Jesus. He's going to change. Like, I can see it. I can see it. No, come on. I can even see who some ladies in the house. Because how many you know Jesus was single and in the ministry? Come on, single people. Don't let us married people make you think singleness is a disease, all right? You're going to be all right. If Jesus made it, you're going to make it, all right? But because Jesus was single, you know there were some ladies in the house talking about, Girl, girl, Yeshua is fine, girl. You see that hair? Uh Uh-huh. Girl, I heard last week at a wedding he turned water into wine. Yes, he did. Don't let him ask me out on a date. I'm ordering water. I mean, they're packed (laughs) in this house, and and they're waiting. They're waiting with tiptoe anticipation to see what he was going to do. They should have been waiting to hear what he was going to say. The Bible says they're all packed in this house. All Jesus does is he gets up, full house. He clears his holy throat. The Bible says he just preaches the word to them he did he just preach the Word. Now, that might not get you excited, but that gets me excited. Because I love to hear people preach the Word of God. Come on, that's why you ought to thank God that you have a pastor that preaches the Word of God, full of the Word of God. Because hear me, we're living a day and age where people are standing behind pulpits, but they're not preaching the word. They're preaching their political persuasion. They're preaching pop psychology. And they wonder why there's no transformation in the people that they're preaching to. Because the only thing that can transform your soul is the word of God. The infallible, incorruptible, everlasting, eternal word of God. That's the only thing that works. The Word, the Word. Martin Luther said, when the Word is preached, that's when God speaks. I'm t- I love to hear people preach the Word. As a matter of fact, I don't even care your style. I don't even care your homiletical style. That's how mature I've gotten. As long as you're preaching the word, I am with you. I like calm preachers that preach the word and they just kind of calmly say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I like calm preachers that preach the word. I like preachers that get real excited when they're preaching the word and they got veins popping out of their neck and sound like they're having an asthma attack between each word and got an organ behind them. And they're more like, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says says i can do if it says i'm the head i'm the head if it says i'm above i'm above i'm so glad that god can I'm Trying to wake y'all up here real quick um love to hear people preach the word but how many know in my text today this is no ordinary preacher this is Jesus. This is the greatest preacher to ever preach. Do you know why I preach like I had six Red Bull this morning? Because I had six Red Bull this morning. No. <laughs> but do you know why I preach with so much passion and so much exuberance? It's because I know when I get to heaven, nobody wants to hear what I have to say. Come on, we don't want to hear any preacher when we get to heaven. We just want to hear Jesus. Put your little podcast to the side. The only one we want to hear from is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I got to get all my preaching out now. (laughs) There they were in this packed house trying to pay attention to Jesus' sermon. They really are trying to pay attention. But in the middle of the sermon, they get distracted. Because they go, wait a minute. Yo, is somebody on the roof? (laughs) And they're trying to pay attention to a sermon. They really are. But before you know it, debris starts falling down in the middle of this house. And before you know it, hands start appearing in this roof. And a few heads pop up as this hole gets bigger and bigger. And a ray of sunlight comes to the room. Now understand, historians believe this is Peter's house. Peter's house. They put in a hole. In Peter's roof, okay. Let me explain the disciples. Okay, if there's any disciple you don't want to put a hole in his roof, it's Peter, okay? Put a hole in John's roof. You know the one that's always laying on the chest of Jesus. Because he'll just look up and say, now I can see the stars that my creator has made for me, not Peter, okay? Peter, like some of y'all, you love Jesus, but don't let somebody cut you off on the highway, okay? (laughs) Peter was cray-cray. Peter would cuss you out. Peter would cut you. So I can see this hole getting bigger and bigger, and Peter's like, what the? And Jesus is like, watch your mouth, Peter. Watch your mouth. We talked about this, man. I'm the son of God. I'll make you a new roof. It's going to be all right. And uh, all of a sudden, they start lowering a man. Down, 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 down. All the way at the feet of Jesus. The Bible doesn't tell us this man's name. It doesn't even do us the courtesy of letting us know when this paralysis occurred. All the Bible tells us is that he's a paralytic man. Why is that noteworthy? It's noteworthy because if you study the Gospels, one of the literary nuances you will find is that any time Jesus interacts with a person, rarely do we get their name. More often than not, we just get their gender and their condition. Have you ever noticed this? There was a man with a withered hand. There was a woman with an issue of blood. What's just the girl's name? We don't know. There was a man who was deaf. There was a man who was blind. We just get their gender and their condition. And do you know what it speaks to? I think it speaks to the human tendency to identify people by their issues. Have you noticed that it is a human proclivity to label people by their issue, to label them, to define them by their dysfunction humans are the only people that will call you something for 15 years that you did one time in your past and five minutes and think the sum total of your life is the mistake that you made. Come on, they will define you by your dysfunction. They will think you are your mistake. But I got some good news from heaven for somebody in this place today. How many of you know if you are in Christ, you are a brand new creature, your past has been washed away. Come on, God's not looking at my record. He's looking at Jesus' record and Israel. Record is perfection, so I don't care what you know about me texting about me, tweeting about me, you know a whole lot about my history, but you don't know anything about my destiny. God has greater in front of me than the mistakes of my past. Oh, come on, somebody needs to take that word right there. Stop letting people label you by your dysfunction and label you by the mistake that you made. Greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. They just label this man as a dysfunctional, paralytic man. And watch this. Here he is in the presence of God, but he's still got a paralysis. <laughs> he made it to God's presence, but he's still got a paralysis. I know you can't say anything here this morning because you got to act spiritual and real holy like you floated in here and had communion for breakfast. <laughs> but if we could be real in here today, you would be shocked. People who are in here, lifting up their hands, giving an offering, but you got a paralysis. I'm talking about the thing that affects your walk with the Lord. I'm talking about the thing that you cry out to God in the secret place and say, God, if I didn't have this, my walk with you would be so much better. Understand, this during this time period, there are no hover rounds. Come on, there are no wheelchairs. This man would be in one position, stuck for. Hours laying there with nobody to help him. Have you ever just felt stuck? Come on, can we be honest in here? Have you ever just felt stuck like, God, when you gonna come to pass on all those promises I was shouting about at the beginning of the year? God, we almost in 2016. This would be a good time for you to come to pass on the promise, but I feel stuck. (laughs) Every conversation he ever had, people had to look down on him to talk to him. And that's why some people never share what their paralysis is because you're afraid that if you really told the real story, your real issue, that people will look down on you and you would sit there waiting for a breakthrough. Thank God for these four friends. Thank God for these four. See, these are the type of people I want in my life. That's why you got to be careful who you connect with. I don't want people that when they see me on the ground, they say, oh, you know, the ground really ain't that bad. In fact, Target got some more mats. You want me to go get you another one? No. I want some tear the roof off people that when they see me on the ground, they say, no, 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 no. You cannot stay here. God has greater for you. No, you got to get a breakthrough. Come on, somebody get his legs. I'm going to get his arms. No, you're going to have an appointment with Jesus today. You cannot stay at that level of living thank God for these four friends and watch this, no wonder no wonder Jesus responded to their faith don't miss that in the text, their faith not just the faith of the man but the faith of the four friends who said I'll do whatever it takes for him to get a breakthrough tore the roof off Interrupted Jesus' sermon. How I many you know when somebody comes through a roof, you should shut that sermon down? Come on, this is a huge interruption. And the crowd is taken back that somebody's come through the roof, but they're also excited because this is what they paid their ticket to see. Ooh. I mean, come on, it's already been rumored throughout the region that Jesus has supernatural power. So I can see as soon as the man hits the ground, the crowd goes, Oh, it's about to go down. I'm telling y'all, Jesus got power. He got power. I don't know if he's going to take mud and rub it on his legs. I don't know what he's going to do, but it's going to be good. You better get your camera and put this on YouTube. (laughs) And while the crowd is waiting to clap, and the man who had to be embarrassed to be Lord in the presence of all these people But all of a sudden, his embarrassment is eradicated with the feeling of elation because he knows for the first time in his life, he's gonna be able to go for a run. For the first time in his life, he's gonna be able to stand on his own feet. For the first time in his life, when he's at a wedding and they do the cha-cha slide and they say one hop this time, he's gonna be able to do it. (laughs) While the man is waiting to dance, and the crowd, is waiting to clap Jesus who has the power to heal him the first thing he says to him the first thing he says is son your sins are forgiven what okay all the spiritual people in the room you just identified yourself okay because C- as soon as I said that as soon as I said that your sins are forgiven uh, you went Whoo, hallelujah glory to God but but don't know how you read the Bible. Here's how I read the Bible. When I read the Bible, I jump in the page of the Bible. I imagine what it would be like to be that particular individual. So that lets me know I would have gotten kicked out of the Bible right around Genesis chapter 1 because (laughs) whenever I am frustrated, whenever I am exasperated, I have the tendency to be a little bit sarcastic, a little bit sardonic. Y'all pray for me. So if that's me, if that's me and I've just been carried through a crowd up the side of a house, a hole has been cut in a reconstruction has happened for me to get in the presence of a man that everybody's saying gonna heal me and everybody's saying gonna make me walk again and the first thing he said the first thing he says is son your sins are forgiven I'm going Oh, appreciate it, Jesus. You know, that's why we came down here to get my sins forgiven. Yeah, that's the obvious apparent issue, to get my sins forgiven. Yeah, I don't need these legs hooked. I don't want to walk. I came all the way down here to get my sins forgiven. People, you got to read your Bible. It's funny stuff in your Bible. (laughs) This man didn't say anything about sin. He didn't say anything about a struggle. Jesus seems to be the only ignoramus in the room. Who doesn't realize this man did not come to get his sins forgiven? He wants to do the moonwalk. But hear me. Anytime Jesus appears to be acting ignorant in Scripture, pay close attention. Pay close attention. He's about to give you incredible insight. Let me say it more eloquently. There is a profundity in the alleged stupidity of Christ. Because this man, he didn't even realize. Hear me. He didn't realize he was in the exact position that God often reveals himself to you. Hear me, church, there is a place that is uncomfortable, that is frustrating, but is often the place where God reveals himself to us, and that is this. Whenever your experience doesn't line up with your expectation, God is trying to give you a revelation of who he really is. That was so nice, I'm gonna say it twice. Whenever your experience doesn't line up with your expectation, God is trying to give you a revelation of who he is. Because hear me, rarely is Jesus recognized, he is more often revealed. And he reveals himself at the place where our experiences don't line up with our expectations. If I had time, I would take you throughout the Bible and show you different circumstances and situations where people's experience didn't line up with their expectation and it was just the setup for God to reveal himself to them. I'll give you one of my favorite ones. Remember John chapter 11? We're introduced to a family, John chapter 11. Mary and Martha. Remember Mary and Martha? And, and their brother Lazarus gets sick, just out of the blue, starts coughing. <laughs> I think I got the black lung. He just starts coughing. And uh, they don't trip at first. They don't trip at first. But all of a sudden, it gets worse, worse, to the point Lazarus can't even get out of the bed. And I think Martha was probably more poised, had it together. But you know, Mary's having a panic attack. Ooh, oh, we going? And Martha's like, girl, stop that crying. Stop that crying, okay? When Jesus comes into town, whose house does he stay at? Well, he stays at our house. Girl, that means this whole house is covered in the presence of the Lord. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. As a matter of fact, give my cell phone. Give it to me. Give my cell phone. Come on, y'all know the story. Takes a cell phone. Sends a text message to Jesus. Says, Jesus, the one you love. Doesn't even say his name. He know who I'm talking about. The one you love is sick. You, Jesus, do what you do sin. Jesus is on the other side of town preaching the gospel. As he's preaching the gospel, cell phone text message noise goes off. Ding ding. He's like, "What I tell you about cell phones while I'm preaching?" The disciples are like, "Jesus, that's you." He's like, "Oh, my bad." Pulls out his cell phone. Sees the text message from Martha. The one you love is sick. He immediately responds. He says, "Do not worry. This cyclone, this sickness, predictive text this sickness (laughs) I'm just trying to bring it to the 21st century will not end in death sends it back to Martha Martha gets the text oh girl look who just texted me Jesus look at what he said he said this sickness will not end in that I told you he's an on time God. yes he is they start having church You can see some of y'all's faces right now. Some of y'all looking like, I ain't never read this version before in my life. (laughs) Let me help you. That's the NIV, Negro International Version. (laughs) They start having church. They start dancing. But don't miss this. Right after they finish dancing, Lazarus dies. And Jesus has the nerve and the audacity to not come to the funeral or the graveside service. He walks in four days late. Talking about how y'all doing? Y'all good? Y'all good? They're like, no, you didn't. They're like, Jesus, I will cut you. Oh, they were so mad. They said, Jesus, if you would have been here, brother wouldn't have died. I know we're laughing and having a good time, but some of you are at that exact place right now. You got a word, you're holding on to a text message, but you're looking at a dead situation. And you got to get the same revelation that Mary and Martha got, and that is if he said it, Come on. if he said it, that settles it and Jesus walks right past their tears went straight to that grave preached a three point sermon and said Lazarus come forth and a dead man came out of the grave thank God he said Lazarus come forth cause y'all know his word is so powerful if he would have just gone to a graveyard and said come forth every dead person in there would have been like hold on he's talking about me and it would have been another thriller video but I want to stop and thank God he can get the right word to you at the right Right, Tom? Huh? Come on, somebody ought to praise God over that situation that you thought was dead. God says, I'm bringing it back to life. Hallelujah! Watch this. Watch this. Their experience didn't line up with their expectation. They were expecting Jesus to come as soon as they called. He did it. He waited till after Lazarus was dead and dead for four days and right when their experience didn't line up with their expectation, here comes Lazarus out of the grave and they get a revelation that Jesus just didn't have to heal people when they're sick. He's got the power to raise people from the dead and we didn't know resurrection power was in him until our experience didn't line up with our expectation. I got the strange suspicion that situation you're complaining about, you could be praising about. Because it's a setup for God to reveal Himself to you. He's revealing Himself to you. Sometimes it's not until your money is funny and your change is strange that you get a revelation that he is Jehovah Jireh, your provider. Come on, how you still making it, your bills still getting paid. Come on, how the economy on a decline, but you still gaining weight because you still eating three meals a day and God's still providing for you. Sometimes it's not until you get sick that you get a revelation that he is a healer. Sometimes it's not until people you thought you could trust stab you in the back and walk out. you get a revelation. He really is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He'll never leave you and never forsake you. As I land the plane, we've got to ask ourselves as thinking individuals, what in the world could he be revealing to this man? Well, look at what he says. He says, your sins are forgiven. Only a Savior can say that. Only a Savior can make that declaration. Ooh. See, don't just praise God because it gets you a house. That's awesome. Don't just praise God because he got you a new outfit. That's awesome. But somebody can give you a house. Somebody can give you some clothes. But when it comes to your sin, <laughs> there is only one person who is qualified to pay the debt that sinned on. He said, your sins are forgiven. I'm going to deal with the thing that nobody else can deal with. Ooh. This man didn't even realize that if Jesus didn't say anything but, your sins are forgiven then walk out the room and throw the deuces. How many know he still did a miracle? He still did a miracle, because you're better off being a paralyzed saint than to be somebody who's walking in sin. Come on, but you ought to thank God he's able to do both. He don't want you walking in sin, and he don't want you paralyzed with a promise. He wants you walking worthy of the call that is on your life. But in that moment, that man had to be thinking, Jesus, hello? My legs. Why did I come to you? You don't even know what my problem is. Jesus saying, "No, you don't know what your problem is. <laughs> you think your legs are the big, big issue. Actually, your legs are the fruit of the issue. But sin is the root of the issue. And I cannot deal with the fruit of an issue till I first deal with the root of an issue. Mm. I found so many times." especially in church. We want to invite God to deal with the fruit of issues. God, fix my husband. God, fix the people on my job. God, fix these kids, they are crazy, fix them. You never want to get to the root of the issue. God says, I got to deal with the root, and the root is sin. Not to say that this man personally sinned to bring this paralysis upon him. That would be postulating an erroneous theology. But more so to say that the reason you're in this paralyzed state is because of a decision that Adam and Eve made in the garden a long time ago when sin entered the world. So before I deal with the disease in your body, I must first deal with the disease of your heart. Before I deal with the ailment of your body, I must first deal with the alienation of your soul because I am not just the God of your circumstances. I am the God of your soul. And I tend to heal people from the inside. as your sins are forgiven to get to the root of the problem. You can play softly behind me because when soft music plays behind a preacher, he sounds more spiritual. <laughs> it gets to the root of the problem. The Pharisees, the elect Sanhedrin, because they're always in the room, the religious people <laughs> who were pretentiously puffed up with pomposity and pride. You ever notice religious people always make the same face? They always look like they smell something in the room now. As soon as Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, they thought to themselves, they said, huh, he's blaspheming. He's blaspheming, who but God alone can forgive sins? He's blaspheming. Uh, no, Pharisees, you're blaspheming because you're calling Jesus a blasphemer. <laughs> and to call Jesus a blasphemer is to blaspheme. <laughs> Side note about religious people, they love to attack things in other people that's actually in them. <laughs> but I, I don't know about her, girl, she's a gossip. No, you are, that's how you noticed it. <laughs> Selah. <laughs> they then say, who but God alone can forgive sins? That's who he was. He's God, so much God. He responded not to their words, but to their thoughts. He goes, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. He says, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth. Ooh. Can we just pause there and thank God that we serve a God that has all authority? Come on, somebody needs to take that word right now. You can stop stressing about that situation. Come on, you serve a God that has all authority? So you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He looks at the man and says, I tell you, get up. Somebody say, get up. Come on, say it like you got some power. Say, get up. Come on, say it like you believe that thing. Say, get up. I love that Jesus told this man to get up. He didn't say, I'm going to do a six-week series on how you might be able to get up. He didn't say, I'm going to get a prayer team to come around and put some oil. No, 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 no. All that's good. But for this word, I'm just giving you the word. Now you activate your faith and you respond to what you heard and you get up. Somebody shout, get up. Somebody came all the way to this service just to get those two words. Get up. There's a new level God wants to take you to. Get up. There's a new dimension of faith you can be walking in. Get up. Your calling is too high for you to live that low. Get up. Somebody with faith, shout, get up. Come on, get up past fear. Get up from worry. Get up from sickness. Get up from disease. Get up from depression. Get up from anxiety. Come on, somebody shout, get up. All of a sudden, that man's legs start tingling, he gets up. I imagine the entire place erupted and giving God praise. Because a man who was paralyzed, in a moment, an encounter with Jesus, he got up. And I love Jesus because in the midst of the praise party, in the midst of the excitement of the miracle, Jesus gives another commandment that when I read it made me laugh, he goes, oh, and take your mat. Take your mat. That man had me thinking, no, Jesus, I'm good. I don't need this mat. You know how long I laid on that mat? Jesus says, no, you're not good. Take your mat. That man had to be thinking, why in the world do I have got to carry this mat around? It's because I don't want you to ever forget <laughs> that you used to be down on the ground. <laughs> See, sometimes when god raises people up and they start walking for a while they get anointed amnesia and forget where they should have been and where they could have been if it had not been for the grace of god but when you got your mat it is a reminder that you are blind but now you can see you are bound but he set you free come on somebody with a mat just open up your mouth and give god glory for what he's done in your life I got a mat. Testimony of his goodness. I shouldn't even be here, but I got a mat. Says, take your mat. Next thing he tells him is, uh, is go home. Go home. You think it's possible if Jesus told this man to go home, you think it's possible he could have had a wife? You think it's plausible he could have had some kids? I can see this man walking to his house for the very first time carrying the thing he used to be relying on. <laughs> I can see him knocking on the door of his house. I can see maybe his kids coming to the door saying, Dad, Dad, I can't believe you're standing. Mama, come see. Dad's here. And mama, she's in the kitchen cooking. and says, boy, quit making up those stories. You're always making up stories. Your dad ain't out there. No, Mama, come see. Gets to the front door. Sees her husband standing there for the first time. I imagine the tears begin to cascade down our face, but just maybe, just maybe before she can say a word, he looks at her and says, sweetheart, you can't even see the real miracle. The real miracle is not just that my legs have been healed the real miracle is on the inside that my sins have been washed away i got so much more than what i came for i thought i was just coming for my legs but he went deeper and healed the broken parts on the inside of me he healed me from the inside out same God who did it for that man is willing and able to do it for you in this place today. Come on, can you just lift up your hands? Come on and just begin to open up your mouth and fill this place with glory. Come on, just begin to ask him, God, touch those areas that are broken. Heal me from the inside out. Hallelujah, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We need you, Jesus, we need you. Hey, Father, I thank you for the power that is in your word. God, I thank you that you love us so much that you don't just care about the condition of our circumstance, but you care about the condition of our souls. God, I pray today with the precision of a surgeon, you would get to the root of the issue so we can get up and walk in the totality of what you have for us. I sense his presence here even right now. I'm just gonna ask in this moment with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're in here today, be so open and so honest to say, Pastor Robert, I've been complaining about the fruit of some issues, but just like that man, I need to allow Jesus to get to the root so I can get up and walk in the fullness of all that he has for me. Come on, I've been there, I know how it is. It's so easy to blame other people and blame what was done to you, but God's saying, I can't control what they did to you, but you can control how you respond when you allow me to get to the root so you can get up. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, but if you're here today, you say, that's me. I know exactly what that thing is, and today, the help of the Holy Spirit, I surrender it to Jesus. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand? I need to know who I came for today. Just lift it up thank you Jesus, just lift it up, put it right back down, thank you God, thank you God so many hands, God I thank you for what you're doing even right now, Head still bowed, eyes still closed, if you're in here today and you've never even taken that first step, would you say Jesus all that I am is yours maybe you need to rededicate or recommit your life to him but you're saying I need to get up and start a relationship with Jesus I need to give him all that I am been here today and you have never ever surrendered your life to Jesus maybe you need to rededicate your life to him if that's you I just want you to lift up your hand I want to include you in this prayer just lift it up lift it up yeah see that hand see that hand thank you Jesus that's why you had to be here today come on you're not here by accident you are here by God's divine providence come on that's why you had to be here hallelujah all over this place just before pastor comes I'm not going to have you come to the front, but your seat's going to be the altar. But would you just pray this prayer with me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. That's fine. Come on. Come on. Absolutely. Yeah, that's why you had to be here. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. God, I thank you for your victory. I thank you for your freedom. I thank you for your deliverance today, God. I thank you, I thank you, that you so orchestrated our steps. And God, just like that man who interrupted the schedule, who just came up, God, I thank you that he had to be here. And God, I decree and declare a release over his life today to get up and walk in the fullness of every single thing you have in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for the man. The testimony that everything he's been through, God, it wasn't in vain. It wasn't in vain. God, it's going to become a testimony of your goodness in his life. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, if you lifted up your hand that second time saying, I need to surrender, would you just come? Just come to this altar wherever you are. Wherever you are, don't worry about what somebody else is gonna think. This between you and God. Saying, I know what that thing is, and today I surrender it. Come on, come on, come on.